All right, fellow fact checkers. Now, before we start the show, I want to remind you to head over and check out our great sponsor, Fox and Son Coffee. Uh, they've got an amazing deal with all kinds of blends going on. So head over there and check it out. You can get the Mexican honey prep, the Brazilian honey prep, the Guatemalan, the Ethiopian. They'll be adding new roasts regularly. So be sure to check in and see what new flavors Steve has got over at Fox and Son Coffee. They've also got all of your usual favorites. The Den Blend Dark, the Den Blend Light, and the one that we personally like around the house since... Uh, we can't seem to agree on which of the light or the dark is better for both me and the wife. The Den Blend Tube Electric Boogaloo, which is the medium roast. So be sure to use the checkout code FCT for fact check this at checkout, and that'll get you an 18% discount on any order of $25 or more. Also, any order of $37.99 or more gets you free shipping. Load up on all the greatest coffee on the market, and you can thank me later. Well, let's start the show. Podcast, and it is a brand new year and a slightly different show. I have, I've for the last three years or so, I have mostly covered articles and topics and newsy type stuff, and I do a interview here and there and sprinkle them in to talk about specific things. This year, I want to be more conversational. So instead of the two episodes a week that I've done previously and talk about all the negative shit in the news, I want to talk to other people and kind of connect and talk about how we build our way through this crazy thing that is life and especially life in modern times where it seems like shit's really getting out of hand and with that i want to talk more this year about um about growing your own food and and kind of being able to be self-sufficient which there will be a regular episode that comes out every four to six weeks with dag that i do the morning show with and he and i are going to talk about homesteading gardening raising livestock canning meal like all of that kind of stuff we're going to talk about uh the the unofficial title for that segment is going to be how to how to become your own grocery uh so we're going to start working on that first one of those will actually be on uh i believe we're doing that on the 16th will be the first episode of that uh, I'm also doing a segment with Don the Pleb. Uh, first one of those will be next Tuesday, the 9th. And it's, we still haven't figured out what we're calling it, but it's basically shit that normies don't understand, like the way the world works. We're going to take stuff that just the average dumbass doesn't know how it works. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to break it down Barney style and explain like, this is the way the world functions around you, even though you don't understand why or how. Uh, so that that's going to be a lot of fun. 
And then the third one that's going to be a regular recurring thing is with Mark Metz. It's the history that they don't teach you in school. We're going to take historical figures and events, and we're going to look at them from who or what was this when it actually happened, not what did they teach you in a propagandized school system. So those are the three regular topics that we're going to do throughout the course of the year. And then as we go, I'll also have other guests like my very good friend Kyle to talk about health and fitness and having kids and a wife and all kinds of other crazy stuff. So tonight, um, since it is a popular thing to make a New Year's resolution that I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to eat right, go on a diet, go to the gym. You know, I think uh, I think gym memberships in the month of January usually spike. I, I can't remember. I saw a number on it one year, and it's it's something astronomical. Like gym memberships in January just go through the roof, and then by February they fall back off to where they were before, which is really a shame. So we're going to start it off tonight. Uh, Kyle and I are going to talk about how can you make that New Year's resolution a lifestyle, not just something that you think really hard about doing for the first couple weeks of the year and then and then trail off on. So Kyle, you've been on before, but go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everybody uh, what you do and what you got going on, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Absolutely. Well, Justin, it's good to be with you again. Um, I don't remember the last time we spoke, but I think you were recording in a different room. So um, that, that must have been a while ago. So um, I'm going to go off on that and say it's probably been too long. But uh, yeah, my name is Kamatovic. I host the In Liberty and Health podcast, as well as Five Till Midnight on Mondays and uh, Cognitive Vigilance on Thursday nights. Um, so I'm a pretty busy dude and I play for the band called Common Crown. We got our new single coming out in 10 days, which I'm super, super stoked for. Um, and for those who may not be listening right now, that's January 12th. Um, it's pretty freaking heavy, and we're going to have more new music um, later on this year. And uh, yeah, that's uh, some of the stuff that I do. I'm also an automotive technician, and uh, I would consider myself an athlete, although my wife yells at me when uh, I say that. So you could call me maybe like a bodybuilder or a uh, power builder, because it's more of what I do. And uh, some of the numbers that I put up are like, you know, I typically do 500 pounds for a deadlift, 400 pounds for a squat, and I'm inching my way to the 315 bench press. I got 305, but I ain't got the three plates on each side, but I'll get there soon enough. So um, you kind of call me a, um, a health advocate of sorts. Very nice. Very nice. And you're the you're one of those red pill guys on top of a, a lot of other, <laughs> uh, interesting yes. adjectives that you've been given on on uh, X or whatever you want to call it these days. Incel too. You can't forget incel. And oh, yeah. uh, I also got king of the manlets because I'm 5'11". So um, I, I, they started throwing short at me today. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not short though. <laughs> I mean, I'm on like the tall end of average. I'm not tall, but I'm not short. But I'm not, once again, tall end of average. But, you know, I, I guess whatever they could find. It started off as like, well, you're, a, I started off as a Christian conservative and then I became a incel. <laughs> and then my wife was a bitch. And then I'm king of the manlets. So <laughs> whatever else you got, <laughs> I'm all ears. I, I, I remember one time I had a guy say that I looked like I was 5'10", 160 pounds, and he would throw me. I said, I'm 6'5", 225, but you're more than welcome to give it a shot anytime you want. And then he blocked me. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks, I guess. Um, yeah, that was, I, that's kind of like a confirmation. <laughs> It's like, okay, yeah, I'm uh it's it's interesting the the shit people will say to people that they have never met in real life. Like mm -hmm. I I've met I haven't met you, unfortunately, but I, I have met a lot of the people that I interact with regularly, and I don't think 
anybody just some average jack off on the internet is throwing any of them anywhere like that's <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, my wife and I met up with a CD and Duke, and um, I remember her saying, "Yeah, Justin's like really tall." And I was like, "Really? Like, I, I figured you were probably like my height, maybe a little bit taller." But she's like, "No, he's like really tall." I'm like, "Oh, so like my uh, my father in law is six seven or six seven or six eight. He's ridiculously tall." But uh, one of the uh, covers for the lights in one of my bathrooms had broken, and my wife, <laughs> like, I don't think she realized how funny it was to me. But she was like, "Oh, well, you should just ask my dad." about one of those covers because he breaks them all the time and then like i sat on it for a second i'm like oh yeah he's tall as fuck so yeah he hits his head on shit all the time <laughs> what's really crazy is my son is 15 and he is all of my height and weighs about 290 uh we Ooh. are we're working on getting that uh he he's He's on the fat side of the 290. He's not in shape. He doesn't play sports or anything. So mm, that's boy. actually part of this is we are, he and I are going to start working out regularly to get him in shape. Cause that's mm. like, for me, it's just a regular lifestyle thing. Like I, I've got a weight bench over there and mm. I lift to some extent or run or do something right. every day, pretty much. And I, so the first thing that I want to talk about with you is, is the diet before we get into the exercise thing, because that's one of the things that I think people don't understand with this getting healthy, losing weight, all of that is if you start with diet, it makes all the rest of it infinitely easier. Like if you can get your diet right and figure out what works for you, it will make the rest of your life so much easier where you're trying to get in shape and, and get healthy. And, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on with him is he eats a metric fuck ton of grilled cheese sandwiches and macaroni and cheese. And I'm like, you are just loading yourself up on carbs and dairy. You are never going to lose any of the extra weight if you don't stop just gorging yourself on unhealthy shit all the time. So we're we're starting him on sort of a carnivore diet. Which is really interesting because uh, a guy I work with has been doing carnivore for about seven months, I want to say. Um, he's my height. And when he decided he needed to make a lifestyle change and start losing weight, he was, I think he was like 420 pounds, somewhere in that range. He is, he's lost 80 pounds in about seven months. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's on a very strict carnivore. Like he's, he has, you know, the uh, he eats so many ounces of whatever meats with water. And like he's on a very strict. Mm -hmm. This is what he's doing diet wise uh, for me, because I've I've always been thin. Like I've I've never had a, a weight problem. Mm -hmm. Carnivore for me is more of a, a lifestyle. Like I, I don't eat a lot of vegetables. I don't eat a lot of breads. I don't do a whole lot of dairy. It's pretty much just meat, potatoes, uh, water and coffee. Uh, I like beer and bourbon, so I like I mix that in. Uh, we were we were talking with one of the guys we work with who's wanting to get healthy, and and he was asking me about it. He was like, "Well, like, how many calories do you have per day? And like, what do you do as far as like how much are you eating and stuff?" I was like, "I don't. I I sit down and I eat, and when I'm full, I stop eating, and I don't eat again until I'm hungry again. Like, I, I don't have." I don't have a real set diet, but I, I also don't need a set diet. I I just eat healthily anyway. 
And so like, if you can get to that point and that's where uh, the guy that I work, the other guy that I work with has been doing it. Like he, he feels very confidently that he's probably another four to six months from being in a position where he can get off of the, like the strict diet part of it. And it's just going to be a lifestyle thing. Um, so I know you've, you've done some stuff on diet stuff. You've also talked about the seed oil stuff, which people get all worked up about. And, oh yeah. Uh, we can, we can get into some of that too, but let's take some just really like base level. What's the first step that you would say people need to take in getting their diet right before they start doing anything else for trying to get in shape? So for me personally, I would recommend that people start adjusting their protein intake because um, protein is not only the most satiating macronutrient, but it's also the most powerful when it comes to body composition. So for every 100 calories of protein that you, that you eat, you're only going to actually net 70 of that, right? Because of the thermic effect of food. So the thermic effect of food basically means like your body temperature is going to rise and burn off some of those calories. So like carbohydrates and fat also have a similar effect, but protein is the highest. So um, I'd want to bump up people's protein intake and then also try to get lots of like fruits and vegetables. So like a lot of fibers, um, fruits and vegetables. Like I like a lot of berries, the dark berries and stuff like that are gonna have lots of um, nutrients and they're very, very satiating. And also they have a lot of fiber, which is gonna be good for um, thermogenesis as well, which is gonna once again, help with digestion and blood sugar regulation. So you're gonna feel a lot better after you eat. Um, but the reason why I really hark on protein is because like, I think people are very, very deficient in protein. Once again, it's very satiating. And if you're not hungry, then you're not gonna tend to overeat. So like for your situation, um, if I did what you did as in just eat until I was full, I would get fat because like, um, there's this theory out there called body fat set point theory. So basically like think of a thermostat, right? Once it's 69 degrees, then once you go above it, then, you know, the house is going to work to cool itself down. And when you go below it, it's going to work to heat itself up. Generally, most people's bodies are kind of like a thermostat, right? This is kind of what the body fat set point theory kind of theorizes. And it makes sense because I'm sure you've probably seen it too, where like people will generally stay around the same weight in order for them to gain significant amounts of weight or lose significant amounts of weight, they have to put a lot of effort in because your body wants to be kind of like a homeostasis. So for you, your body fat set point maybe a little bit lower. You're like a generally leaner phenotype. For me, I was a big kid most of my life. So for me, I have to watch what I eat. So um, this is kind of where I think the diet stuff actually starts to get really interesting because like we generally know by most available data now at this point that it's pretty hard to fuck up your diet. If you're eating nothing, if you're like just chugging butter all day and eating eating bacon, then okay, well, your diet probably sucks. But like, as long as you're getting some form of protein, you're getting in some resistance training, you're doing some form of physical activity, sufficient protein, and even like no carb diets, I don't recommend those they work and they work because it's pretty hard to overeat on protein and fat. Um, you, we pretty much know that like any diet works as long as it's adhered to. So like for your friend who you were talking about, who's been doing carnivore for a while, I did carnivore for like two years, but um, you know, for me to maintain my weight right now, I need to eat about 3,100 calories in a day. Um, when I was carnivore, I was eating about 1800, 
So that's a 1300 calorie deficit where I was losing weight at a very, very rapid pace, but though I was starving. So what you don't want to do is go nosedive into a very, very steep caloric deficit and lose a ton of weight really fast. Because what we actually know by other data sets is that people actually tend to rebound. And when you rebound, then what can actually happen is that you'll overshoot and you'll actually gain more weight than you initially lost. So um, the way that I want people to lose weight is slow and kind of like gradual. I don't want people to just nosedive and get into behaviors that they can't maintain for the long term. So your weight loss should be slow, steady, but once again, you win the race that way. You get to keep that weight loss off, and then you're also a lot less likely to rebound, and you're actually more likely to maintain all the muscle mass. And if you're not resistance training, you probably don't have that much in the first place. But like, it, let's say you are, um, then you maintain a lot of that muscle. So like, if you're not resistance training, you're in a steep caloric deficit, then you can easily lose 50% fat and 50% muscle. If you're resistance training, if you're getting good enough sleep, if you're getting sufficient protein, which really none of those three, three things are hard to do. Like the sleep is probably the most difficult for most people because we think, well, fuck it. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right. That's generally people's attitude. My, and I'm no stranger to this. Um, no, unfortunately, this is a part that I compromise on a lot as well. Um, but as long as you kind of meet those three metrics, you could get it to as good as like you lose 95% fat and then like 5% muscle and lean mass, which it isn't just muscle. It's also like organ size, water weight and stuff like that. So um, as long as you're getting sufficient protein in when you're losing weight, generally your body recomposition, which is basically losing muscle and or um, losing fat and gaining muscle, which is what people want to do, um, is going to be pretty good. So um, basically, what I would recommend to people is try to get your protein to about one gram per pound of ideal body weight. And then let everything else kind of fall where it may. So like for me, a deficit is about 2,500 calories a day um, versus the 3,100 calories maintenance. I try to get about, you know, 200 grams of protein a day. And then from there, the carbs and fats can go wherever they want. Sounds good. And that, well, that's, that's a good starting point too, especially for people who get um, kind of overwhelmed by the, the idea of the diet stuff yes. is because they think they have to do a specific diet. They have, I've mm -hmm. got to do this or I've got to do that or, or whatever. Yes, and, and then they get locked into, if I'm not doing it exactly the, this way, then there's no way it's going to work. It's like, no, you have, you, you like, you have to find what works for you. It doesn't, it exactly. can't just be a, uh, a straight, you know, a straight shot type of a thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's going to, it's going to depend on, on your your body mass and on what you're trying to do um like like for my son like i said he's he's my height and about 290 and it's all it's all baby fat i mean it's it's just he is a he's a big kid and his diet is just completely shit so that's why we're that's why we're just trying to cut out a lot of the carbs because that's almost all he would eat it was nothing but carbs and dairy and like he likes he likes steak he likes pork chop. You know, he likes that that kind of stuff. I can I can replace what he needs with his diet with that stuff. <clears throat> and he wasn't eating because he was hungry. He was eating because he likes to eat that stuff. So, you know, we, that's that's where we've taken, you know, kind of my approach where I just I eat until I'm full and then I don't eat anymore. If we can get him on that, because like like I said, he wasn't eating because he was hungry. He was eating because he liked to eat. If we can get him to where he eats what he wants or what he needs and then he stops, we're going to start 
moving in the right direction. And I, I've actually seen that with him at least a little bit over this past week is he he's actually turned down eating other stuff because he's like, I, I'm I'm full. I ate what I needed and I'm I'm not going to. I'm like, okay, I like I you know, I'm thinking he didn't eat enough and I'm trying to offer him more. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, good. Like that's, that's right. what we're trying to accomplish. And, and the fact that he is uh, now I've been, I have been relentlessly bullying him for six months that he's, <laughs> that he's fat and needs to start losing weight. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's finally starting to, to get on board with it is uh, definitely a positive thing. And in, in my, in my view, yes, b- bully your children. Don't let them be fat asses. Uh, I'm, I'm all about the, uh, very brutally honest parenting styles. Um, so like we're, we're working on it and we're, we're moving in the right direction. And it, and it's, it's interesting to see, I think more over the last couple years, especially post COVID, you've seen more people who are wanting to get in shape. They're wanting to not have that unhealthy diet, that unhealthy lifestyle. And they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I do that? And, and then you get so many mixed messages coming from all over the internet between the liver kings and the, and the anti, uh, seed oil bros and everything else. The, the no carbs, all carbs, carnivore, um, paleo, there's so many different things out there and people just get confused. And then the more they hear, the more. I don't know, turned off to it that they end up becoming. So like that's, I think the best starting point is figure out what you need and where you need to, where you want to be, and then start to figure out how that fits with your lifestyle and, and getting there. Like there are dozens of roads to get to that same point. You just got to figure out the one that works for your body. Right. And that's, that's kind of the beautiful part when you start digging into um, nutrition literature is that you generally do find that once again, it's all about compliance. Like if you could just find the diet that works for you and what you like, then you'll generally be okay. So like literally people might think this is insane, but I swear to God, this is true. I've eaten ground beef almost every single week for the last probably five years. I'm not even kidding when I was doing carnivore and then I've been doing a flexible diet for the last three years, I've literally eaten ground beef every single day or well for Monday through Thursday for like the last five years, because it's just easy to make. It tastes good reheated. And literally I just make two pounds on Sunday. It takes me all of maybe an hour at most. If I'm like really putzing around to get it situated and then I'll, you know, now I'll put some blueberries and orange or something like that. And I usually have like some um, high fiber, low carb wraps or something like that, that I'll take with me for lunch. Like it is so easy, but once again, it's all about what you like. Some people like grilled chicken. That's not my flavor. I think chicken sucks. I think that's a weak bird. I don't think it's very tasty, but you know what, if, if you, you know, if that's your, if that's your deal you know, go for it. But like the other nice thing now, especially living in the age that we live in is like, there's so many foods out there now that are designed towards people diet. So like even the 
due to her anti-seed oil bros, which I think is ridiculous. We can get into that a little bit later if you want. Um, they have all sorts of different foods now that are baked in avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil, um, sunflower oil, whichever oil that you, your guru told you is okay. So like this stuff is almost handed to you on a silver platter. Like um, there's a company called Legendary. They make cinnamon rolls with 20 grams of protein and like 10 grams of fiber. And they're delicious. Like my wife likes them. There are so many different protein bars out there that have you know good macros on them and they taste good compared to like 10 12 years ago back when i first started eating them and they tasted like cardboard and powder like we have come such a long way that like all you have to do is literally just find you know something a little bit different so like even the breads that are out there now you get like a 35 per slice calorie piece of bread that has high fiber and tastes good they have like keto breads so there's literally anything for anybody out there at this point you just have to find it so like um you mentioned your son likes grilled cheese and i know you have on like a little bit of more of like a carnivore diet but like they make low fat and no fat cheeses that actually have a lot of protein in them and very very low carb and they're you know very voluminous they taste good and you can make like a high protein grilled cheese that will still kind of fit into your daily caloric budget. I mean, that's generally what I do. It's just, I find foods that I like, you know, the Ninja creamy has been my like latest fascination. I literally made some more protein ice cream the other day that tasted just as good as dairy queen. And I, I ate the whole thing. It was like two or 300 or, I want to say maybe 400 calories at most. So like the stuff is out there. You just have to put a little bit of effort into it. And um, to kind of tag on to like the anti-seed oil stuff, there's a lot of people fall into like a naturalist fallacy where they think anything that isn't from God's green earth is bad for you. I understand. And like as a functionality, that's actually not a bad mindset, but like the idea that a little bit of aspartame, a little bit of sucralose is going to kill you is just ridiculous. And it doesn't bear out in the data. So like, um, all these artificial sweeteners, if you cannot live without a pop, then maybe it's a good idea for you to just have a diet pop. Like whatever potential side effects that you're going to see from artificial sweeteners, they'll be completely reduced by you losing weight. So if like the difference between somebody getting healthier is I'm drinking a diet Dr. Pepper instead of a regular Dr. Pepper, I'm telling them you chug that aspartame every single time, 10 times out of 10, because the side effects of being obese are way worse for you than any potential side effects that you might see from aspartame. And even if you go by the WHO's data, which is potentially carcinogenic they consider aloe vera and the outside sun to be as deadly as aspartame is so and to get sufficient volume of aspartame to actually be carcinogenic which is cancer causing you would have to drink about 36 diet cokes in a day nobody is doing that you're not going to get close to that I'm not going to get close to that and I love diet pop so like the people who hand wave about this kind of stuff shut up enjoy what you're going to enjoy whatever you think is bad for you if you're losing weight, as long as you're not like, you know, killing it with the trans fats and completely overdoing it with the saturated fat, you're fine. I promise you. <laughs> what? And speaking of that, with the, the aspartames and the different stuff, you see a lot of that in the non GMO arguments and stuff like that. And like, mm -hmm. I, I came up in uh, agriculture was my business for better part of a decade. Uh, mm -hmm. I've got an ag degree and, and everything else. And, and like mm -hmm. the, the non-GMO stuff, like the, the big deal that's made about all of that is just insane. Like, especially when they talk about the, the Roundup Ready stuff and, and the yeah. uh, uh, glyphosates and stuff that are used on Roundup Ready. It's like, yes, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's the WHO has labeled it as a potential carcinogenic. 
And when you go and you, uh, I wish I, I wish I had saved all of it. I did like stupid amount of research on it when all of those studies first came out mm -hmm. and they went through like all of these farmers that ended up getting cancer, except that they weren't getting like in our organ cancer from where they were ingesting this stuff. They were getting melanomas and they were getting lung cancer. And then when you yeah, start they were exposed it, to the chemicals, well, you, well, but when you start looking at it, these dudes were outside yeah. all day, every day for their entire lives. A lot of them not uh, using anything, like not covering up or anything, just out there wearing nothing. Uh, and then they're getting skin cancer and mm. they're doing these research studies and they're finding that all of these farmers got skin cancer, except that. And so they're and they also used uh, or glyphosate and, you know, Roundup and stuff like that. So correlation right except that that's not exactly the way it works you also, buy a sample <clears throat> right a lot of them were getting lung cancer except they smoked three packs a day and like they, <laughs> yeah. so Shocker. so a lot they were they were connecting dots that if you removed just looking exclusively at roundup and said okay look at this guy's lifestyle yeah it makes sense that he got lung cancer yeah it makes sense that he got skin cancer like it, it was it was kind of crazy the um you had to really exclude looking at their lifestyles in order to put the blame on Roundup or the glyphosate as being the reason that they got cancer. Like it just a lot of this stuff, the amount that you would have to be exposed to and ingest before it's mm -hmm. actually going to hurt you. Like you'll never hit that. You'll never hit that, that saturation point. And, yeah. and to, especially, you know, like you were saying, if it's going to give you a better diet where that you can get your weight, that you can get your health under control, like do what you need to do to get healthy. I, I mean, what, 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 what's the potential that, um, the, the glyphosate or the, the different stuff that they put in the, the aspartame and stuff, you might get cancer when you're 70. Like, you know, what's you're, you're probably are. Yeah. I mean, you maybe got 10 years left at that point anyways. Um, it, it, so, I mean, it's pretty inconsequential at that point. And then like, look, they even have Zevia out now. And it's funny because there's actually more safety data on aspartame than there is on Stevia. Do I think Stevia and monk fruit are bad for you? No, I think they're fine. But like, if you're, if you're going to make the data argument, then it's clear. Like there are meta-analysis after meta-analysis. Yes. Steven's absolutely right. Um, and you know what, I'm, I'm going to piggyback on this too here in a second but um uh like if you, th there have been so many men analysis where like basically people who actually drank more diet pop actually tend to lose more weight than people who didn't like versus people who had water and this is to say that like diet pops a fat burner but like the carbonation also gives you more full feeling you're craving you know you're quenching that sweet tooth and there people will make the argument that like hey you'll crave more sugar if you have more diet pop well I that still comes down to behaviors like you're eating more food it's not the food itself that's the problem but um i want to piggyback on steven's point here for fox and sons coffee which use code i'm, I'm guessing fact or my code's kyle 
<laughs> it's a uh, FCT fact check this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, use that code to check out um, and, and absolutely get his coffee because his coffee is absolutely fantastic. Um, all my uh, Sunday coffee streams, I always make sure I have a bag with me, but um, caffeine is actually a really, really good tool when it comes to dieting as well. So caffeine um, increases your metabolic rate. It suppresses appetite. I mean, it is like a wonder drug. And like when people start trying to say that caffeine's bad for you, shoot your adrenals or stuff like that. Like as long as you have caffeine before like lunchtime, depending on your, um, you know, circadian rhythm. So like for me, I'm up at 4.30. I'm generally in bed anywhere from like 8.30 to 9.30. Um, as long as you kind of get it separated from like eight or six to eight hours before you go to bed, the half-life of caffeine is six hours. And like, depending on how your body metabolizes caffeine, you're generally going to be okay. So like, um, what I would recommend for people maybe starting a new diet, maybe you should get off of the caffeine for a brief period. And then as soon as you start to feel like maybe a little bit more hunger more frequently, then maybe you could increase the caffeine intake or reintroduce caffeine because it can help suppress your appetite. It's going to raise your metabolic rate, but there's like no downsides to caffeine unless you're being an asshole about it. So if you're drinking a diet Pepsi right before you go to bed, that's not caffeine free, you'll probably fuck your sleep up and you're not going to get to as restful a sleep as you would without the caffeine so yes i'm all about caffeine i totally think that's a great lever to pull for people who are looking to kind of get their um lifestyle on straight but just don't abuse it like you probably want to stay under like 400 milligrams a day um i'm way more than that full tilt <laughs> you know full disclaimer i'm not perfect you will hear me say that many times throughout this podcast i am far from perfect but once again we all aim to be a little bit better so yeah i'm all for caffeine and definitely get fox and sons coffee that's uh that's one of those interesting things with like carnivore and some of the other diets that you look at like they allow for a cup of coffee usually it's black coffee but like mm. they allow for a cup of coffee in the morning and yeah. and that helps kind of that helps kind of kick you kick you off it kind of gets it it, it gets your body moving in the right direction because mm. you know getting getting going in the morning is always kind of a struggle um especially for people who are fresh to starting into this sort of stuff where they they may not have as good a routine they may not have as good a discipline uh to to start off on the right foot every day that's a yeah. big that's a big thing in being successful with any diet or, or workout program or whatever you're doing is to have a good routine and yeah. a cup of coffee in the morning is kind of a routine for a lot of people and so a lot mm -hmm. of the diets are like encouraged like Yes, have a cup of black coffee. It gets you, it kind of gets you perked up. It gets you going. It also, like you said, it suppresses that need for that first meal. You you kind of push your push your appetite off a little bit until later in the day. Like, and you can get going, get moving. Uh, so it's it, there is there is a lot to be said about being able to, you know, like you said, also being balanced with it, like not being an asshole about it or abusing it. Like you have to you have to use it properly. Um, I am I am the world's worst to take advice on caffeine from because I work nights and do shit all day long and I only sleep about three, four hours a day. So I I take in a lot of caffeine, but I also am incredibly active on top of that. So, you know, it's it's a balancing act. It's um, and also, like I said earlier, uh, for me, it's a lifestyle like it's just the the diet and the, the exercise and stuff like that's just my normal day in day out. It's not something that I put a lot of thought or effort into, which 
is interesting because now trying to do it with my son, I am having to put more thought and effort into it and also kind of look at some of my uh, some of my bad tendencies because I'm trying to encourage him to get the good ones and then he'll see me doing the bad ones. And I'm like, ooh, I don't even think about that because it's like it doesn't. Um, it it's it's doesn't so register. natural to you. Right. So, so I do have to, I have been trying to kind of rebalance a little bit of that stuff and, and cut out some of the, the things that are um, blatantly unhealthy for no more reason than just because I, that's stuff that I've always done. Um, it, it, it's just part of my lifestyle and that it doesn't have any benefit. So I can like, I can cut it out. Um, one of those things is like soft drinks and stuff. I, I don't drink a whole lot of soft drinks, but I do have generally one a day and it's for no more reason than just because I like, I keep them in the refrigerator in case I want one. And so as I'm telling him no sugary drinks, like you can have a cup of black coffee in the morning and then you're going to have water all day. And then I break out a Pepsi. He's like, Oh, so you get it, but I don't. It's like, well, I'm not, <laughs> 50 pounds overweight, but yes, I'll, mm. also I don't need it. So I can, I, I can start, I can start, you know, taking out some of these things and make it, make it more of a, uh, occasional rather than a regular type of a thing. And I, I, you know, it's, it's a discipline thing. The, the diet, the working out, it's all discipline. Like it, and let's go to the sleep thing, because I think that's also a, that's also a discipline thing. And I don't think people associate sleep with a discipline, but it is something that you have to make a conscious effort at. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about the, the value and the benefits of, of having a good sleep cycle. Yeah. So this is once again, something that I could be a lot better with. Um, you mentioned kind of getting up and going in the morning. So like there should also be a routine with going to bed. So like, um, I used to have blue light blocking glasses and I wish I still had them. And it was kind of neat because they had like a little card that you shine a blue light through and like you would shine the blue light on the piece of paper by itself and it would like change the color of it. But when you shine it through the glasses, it wouldn't do it. So that's how you knew that it worked. Um, but like what we're doing right now, so I'm going to go to bed pretty much immediately after this. Um, it would be ideal for me to have blue light blocking glasses on to help reduce some of the blue light from looking at the screen, having these lights on and everything like that. But, um, you know, what does everybody do as soon as they go to bed? As soon as you lay down in bed, we're doing this, right? We're, we're checking Twitter. We're fighting the mostly peaceful Latinas or whatever on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, we're doing stuff like that. Well, really what you should want to do is basically try to cool down and relax as much as possible. So, like, the human body likes to be around, like, 64, 65 degrees when you go to sleep. It's nice and cool. So, like, you know, you want to have the room as dark as possible. And I think there have actually been studies done where they actually, like, shined a light on somebody's, like, leg. And the person couldn't see it from their eyes. And that actually started to disrupt how, like, their quality of sleep because of the light that they're like was shining on their leg. So that tells you like how sensitive your body is to some of this kind of stuff. So um, generally you want to go for about seven to eight hours every night. Now, once again, I'm not perfect at this either. I'm up at 4.30 every single day. So for me, it is not always easy to get to bed on time, especially, you know, doing podcasts and stuff like that, um, just to accommodate other people's schedule. But that's a sacrifice I make because this is something I love doing. But um, 
So yeah, you want to kind of settle down. You want to try to not look at your phone as much as possible. I also have like a blue light filter on my phone at night. Um, I've heard there's research that doesn't really show that it's that beneficial. But um, for me, it's definitely easier than looking at just the regular white screen when I'm laying in bed. Um, and then when you wake up in the morning, you kind of want to get your body heated up. So like what um, happens is that like generally before, when your body's getting ready to wake up, your body temperature will start to increase as well. So once again, that's why a lot of people like to get coffee in them in the morning. It's not necessarily the caffeine. It's the raising of the body temperature that helps you feel a little bit more awake. So um, you want to have some kind of routine before you go to bed. Um, you don't want to eat too close to going to bed either, because especially like if you're getting a large protein meal in, because as I said earlier, that raises your body temperature and it's going to prevent you from getting as deep of sleep as possible. So like what a day generally looks like for me when it comes to eating, and this is just for me, this, I'm not saying that anybody has to do this, this is just what works for me. Um, about five o'clock in the morning, I have my first meal. Um, I usually get something else in about eight o'clock. I have my coffee around like six o'clock. Uh, third meal would be at lunchtime, 1145, 12 o'clock. Another protein meal around like 245, three o'clock. And then I usually have my dinner around maybe anywhere from like 545 to seven o'clock. Um, I try to cut my eating off at 630. But once again, due to lifestyle, not ideal because you, you can't really have much of a social life if you're eating at you know, 630 because everybody wants to go out super late. So that's just what works for me for each person. They're going to have to figure out what they want to do. If they want to maybe, you know, one, two or three meals a day. Um, for me, I think the average person eating about 50 grams of protein per meal for three meals going to be good enough. If you're a bigger person, maybe 60 grams per three meals and maybe like a snack or something like that. But once again, this is all about compliance it's about what's going to work best for you. Um, and as I kind of mentioned when we were talking about caffeine earlier as well, um, you don't want to have caffeine preferably within eight hours of when you're going to bed or go, going to go to bed because you're going to still have a little bit of that caffeine active in your system six hours after you have it. So once again, half-life caffeine is about six hours. You don't want to have that in you when you're going to bed. So um, try to get your body temperature cool. Try to make sure that your room is as dark as possible. And you're not dicking on your phone too much before you go to bed. Um, limit your caffeine and try not to have a giant meal right before you go to sleep. And that's kind of, I think like my best practices around going to sleep. I have a completely ass backwards schedule because of working <laughs> nights and, right. and also the nature of, because it is a, it's a 12 hour night. So I'm, I'm there from six to six. Uh, I also have a long drive both ways so and then i do all this sort of stuff as well um so so my my schedule is completely ass backwards from that but i have a very strict routine like when i get home in the morning i sit down with my wife i have a cup of coffee i'll eat some usually i'll have some bacon or some sausage or some fried ham something like some breakfast meat um Every once in a while, I might have like a donut or something, but generally speaking, it's I'm having a breakfast meat, excuse me, a breakfast meat of some sort and not a lot, like a couple pieces of bacon, a couple pieces of sausage, something like that, like just just enough to not be hungry. Um, and then after that, I'll usually do a show of some sort and then I work out. And once I get done working out, I drink 
well, during the entire workout and, and after it's done, I drink a lot of water, uh, at least, at least two bottles of water, sometimes three, if it's, especially in the summer and stuff, if it's hot and I go for a run as well on top of the workout, then I might drink three or four bottles of water, but a lot of water. And, and then also the water kind of, uh, helps to get me cooled back down. Like you were saying, like you want to get cooled down and I'll take a shower. I don't, I don't like to take like a boiling lava hot shower. I, I like my shower to be warm. Uh, so I'll take like a, take a good warm shower, get clean. And that kind of gets me wound down. And then, you know, once I get out of the shower, I set the phone down on the nightstand and set the alarm. And usually I get to bed about 1030 or so in the morning. And my goal is to sleep until 330. But I usually between two and 230, I'm up. Uh, but and then when I get up, that's when I actually eat. And and I'll go I'll go grab. Usually I keep meat, either pork chops or some like thin strip steaks or something. Yeah in the refrigerator and, and I'll go grab a pack of that out and throw them on a skillet and fry it up and get it cooked up. And, and then I'll just sit down and eat. And I usually don't like, that's when I kind of thumb through Twitter or Facebook and see what I've missed while I was asleep and, and just kind of chill out and sit and eat. And then once I get done with that, then I'm back to doing stuff. Like I'll, I'll sit down and I'll read. I'll sit down and like uh, I, I do stuff in the afternoon that gets my mind working and that keeps me mentally engaged. And then and then I get ready for work and and work is a whole its whole thing. But like having that very structured routine every day, I might only sleep three and a half, four hours a day. I'm never tired. I like I'm I'm always energized. I always have plenty of plenty of energy. Um, I, I might cheat a little bit at work. I'll usually, when everybody goes on their lunch break, I'll go hide and take like a 15 minute power nap. Uh, but, but like I have a good spot at, at work where I, it's a dark room where I can sit down and pull my hat down over my eyes and, uh, I'll set a little alarm on my phone and everybody knows where I am. So if something comes up and they need me, like they can come get You're me, there, but yeah. yeah, I'm there. But at the same time, it's just an opportunity and half the time I don't even sleep. Uh, I'll just like close my eyes and kind of shut down and take mm-hmm. a break, uh, which is something that we talked about. I did an episode with, oh, who was it? I know it was James Gentleman and a couple others. We talked about rest and the lack of rest in like societally that we get. Mm-hmm. And it's not as it's it's not so much that people don't get enough sleep. It's that they don't get enough downtime They're Even when they're in bed thinking that they're sleeping, they have trouble going to sleep because they're thinking about all the shit that they should have done during the day. They're thinking about all the shit they got to do tomorrow. And then by the time they do go to sleep, their brain is so wound up that they don't ever actually rest while they're asleep. Cause they're, they're just constantly churning on all of these things to be able to. And I'm, I've kind of mastered it. I can just, and I think it's probably easier for men than it is for women, but to be able to sit down and just like wipe everything out of your brain to turn it all off and to just 
not for like 20, 30 minutes at a time is really all you need. If you can get that just here and there, it, it really refreshes and resets your whole body. And like I said, it's hard because we, we all get so focused on everything that we've got to do, especially if you get kids or, you know, a challenging career or, you know, a, an active social life or whatever, it all weighs on you. And if you yeah. can find a way to just block it all off and push it all out and to just not for a little while, mm-hmm. it really goes a long way. Um, I, I'll have to find that episode and I'll link it in the show notes. It was, it was a really interesting article that we looked at that, that kind of went into um, kind of the science behind how we don't have enough downtime with like, we don't give our brains that downtime to just, kind of reset and refresh and and not be constantly in overdrive um being able to to put something like that into practice Mm -hmm. it's really made a huge difference in my life giving me the ability to run on three and a half four hours of sleep and not feel you know like not be burdened by it like Mm -hmm. my wife gets so pissed off at me because when it's time like like tonight i'm off work so when we get done with this, I'll go lay down with her and go to bed. And she gets so mad at me because as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm out. That's <laughs> yep. it. I, I know exactly what you mean. Like the walk from here to the house is kind of my wind down. Mm-hmm. I'll sit my phone face down on the nightstand and I will lay down in bed. And as soon as I'm in bed, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and I, but it's, it's a discipline. It's because I have, I've spent a couple of years learning how to just turn it off. And, and that's hard. It, I mean, it was, it was hard at first. It, it, it's, it can feel overwhelming, but once you figure it out, it's, you, you'll wonder why you didn't do it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, um, it's kind of like the whole Jocko Willing thing of discipline equals freedom. So like if you have discipline in all other areas of your life, then you can eventually kind of budget in your own free time and your time to relax. And this is kind of the way that I look at diet too, where like if I'm very disciplined with my diet on like, so let's say my wife and I want to go out to eat, which does happen quite a bit. Um, I get extremely disciplined earlier in the day. So like I wake up and I realize, okay, well, instead of having the giant French toast that I love to have every single morning, maybe I'll have to go with something a little bit lighter, like some egg whites with like maybe a couple whole eggs to get like most of my protein in, but they're very, very low calorie. And then maybe like a protein shake throughout the day. And then like real light lunch, a big salad or something like that. And that way when my wife and I got to eat, then I can have the sweet potato fries, you know, the steak, the drink and an appetizer because I was disciplined earlier in the day. So, um, like I, I never want to give people the impression that like they have to die on any one diet hill, because as we kind of covered a little bit earlier, any diet you do will generally work as long as it's adhered to. Um, 
so like as long as you have enough discipline to realize like okay well let's say i want to go out and have like a nice dinner well that's fine even if you do go above and beyond what you should eat like that's fine you know sometimes we don't always fall within our ideals that's that's okay um one reason why i quit doing carnivore and once again this isn't a knock on anybody who does it this was just it wasn't the right diet for me any longer um is because i would be so strict with it and then that you know, I, I would binge afterwards. Like it just, for me, it didn't work after a certain period of time. That's when I realized, okay, well, maybe I could reintroduce carbohydrates. So when I started tracking food and I'd already been tracking my calories on carnivore, but like if I figured I could track the more palatable foods that are very, very hard to stop eating. So like, you know, sweet potato with butter and brown sugar and stuff like that. Okay. Well, if I factor that in to like my total daily intake, can I have this? The answer was yes. Um, can I have sugar-free ice cream with like cookie dough bits in it? Yes. But you have to account for that, you know? And there have been still times where, you know, me and my wife and I go out and I say, well, fuck it. You know, let's just enjoy. If we're on vacation or something like that, like you probably don't want to start your diet on a vacation because guess what? You're not going to stick to it. I am as disciplined as they fucking come. And I can't stick to my diet on a fucking vacation. So like, you know, you let's say you want to take like a little bit of a diet break. And there's actually some evidence to suggest that like you actually maintain a better body composition. And like psychologically, it's a lot better for you when you take diet breaks. Um, maybe schedule a diet break around a vacation or something like that. But like if you want to just kind of grind through, you could do that too. But like once again, when it comes to holidays, as everybody knows, that's actually – that tends to be where people gain a lot of the weight because what do you do during holidays? You spend time with people and then you eat food that people prepared that's typically very, very good. There's nothing wrong with it, but you know that's just when people gain weight because people aren't tracking all the food they're gaining so or all, all the food they're eating. So like – what I kind of want people to take away in this whole diatribe is basically like, you're not a failure if you can't stick to your diet one day. You're one meal off and you can be one meal back on. So, um, you know, you go out for your friends for New Year's, you spend time with your family on Thanksgiving or Christmas, chances are you're probably going to overeat. Okay, well then just the next couple of days, say, hey, I overate, I'm going to get back on the diet plan and we're just going to keep chugging along. You're not a failure, you just, you were off the plan which is okay. Well, and that's why it's tough. It's tough on people to start dieting, to start exercising, to start doing all that stuff right now, because right. you're coming off of the holidays where you've probably not been very healthy. You probably, right. if, if, I, even for me as strictly disciplined as I am with all that stuff, I have not worked out a whole lot over the last week and a half. I have mm -hmm. definitely not stuck to my normal schedule of, eating and or you know meals and stuff like that like it has kind of been a fucking free-for-all and whenever mm -hmm. i could come out here and sit down and work out for a little bit i would mm -hmm. but i wasn't making a lot of big deal over it because i knew i was going to get back to it and yeah. and it's it's one of those things that especially especially if you want to be more uh like outdoor oriented with your workout type stuff because uh, we'll, I want to kind of wind down on the, the workout routine and and yeah. into that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. If you want to be more, like for me, I run outside. I can't run on a treadmill. I don't like running indoors. I want to run outside. I I want to get out either on trails or on the road and just fucking run. And 
so it's tough, especially this time of year living north of the Mason Dixon. It's going to be cold. And it's cold. That's, yes. yeah, that's going to be hard. Uh, you know, especially for me, like I want to run when I get home from work in the morning at seven o'clock in the morning, it's 30 degrees. I don't want to run. When, yeah. I don't want to run in 30 degree weather. So it, it can be tough and, and you have to kind of change stuff up. Uh, like, like last year when I got, I got up. So you're going to laugh at me because this was like me being fat. I was like two thirty. I got up to about two thirty-five, which I had. It was it was all right here. It was. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got in my truck one day to go to work, and when I went to put my seatbelt on, it pinched a fat roll, and I was like, "Oh fuck no! I I am not doing this." I'm like <clears throat> so, and it was right out a year ago. It was in like uh, mid to late January of twenty-three, and I was like, "Oh fuck no! I'm not doing this." So. I, I started kind of, I started kind of mentally preparing myself. Like mm. as soon as it gets warm enough that I can run. Cause uh, we had a pretty rough January, February last year when March hit and we started breaking into the fifties. As soon as it broke into the fifties, every day that it was 50 degrees, I was running. And if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't warm enough for me to run, then I would lift and do something else. But I was I was bound and determined to get that roll that got pinched in the seatbelt off. Yeah. And by June, I was back down to about 205, 210. And I, I'd rather be in the 215, 220 range, but mm-hmm. so I, I kind of went overboard a little bit and ran. I ran I was running too much. So then I had to uh, cut my running back a little bit from five, six days a week to about three days a week and, and build in more actually uh, lifting and, and that side of stuff. But I, I wanted to get that, I wanted to get that roll off of me first. And then uh, mm-hmm. once I got that, then, then I kind of balanced everything out. But right now I'm in that part of the year where I don't run as much. And, and I kind of feel that, but I know once, once it starts to warm up, then I'll, I'll cycle back into it. And so, so maybe, you know, for some people, it's it's not as much about doing the same thing every day as doing something every day that's moving you in the right direction towards your goal. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll kind of wind down on the the actual working outside of it, the physical like lifting, running. What kind of a mix do you recommend for uh, like cardio versus lifting? Uh, like I don't, I don't lift a whole lot of weight. I, I lift what's practical for my daily needs. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm going to carry dog, bags of dog food and, and stuff like that. And, yeah. and like the things that I would normally do around here, that's about like, I'm not lifting more than about 150 pounds on anything because I don't, I don't need to. So I want right. to be comfortable with the weight that I would be moving for, chores and and daily activities but i'm not i'm not gonna bench 300 pounds <laughs> like but i also don't have i don't have a need for it um so i i kind of balance my lifting based on my lifestyle um and i guess that's kind of that's kind of a good starting point is how do you recommend finding that balance of where do you want to get with what you're doing 
So like what I would recommend to people, I, I will send a video over to you. I did a whole podcast on workout splits. I, I may have two, but um, the one was episode 157 of my podcast where um, I kind of laid out beginner to intermediate workout programming. And I literally have the whole text in the description of like what the workout would be um, from, you know, let's say just two days a week, all the way up to four days a week. And you could even do six days a week with the program. But like, basically, um, I would want most people if you if you're not doing anything at all, why don't we start with maybe some walks post meals, if possible, if not, then maybe just, Hey, let's try to get you walking a little bit more. So like most of the research says right around 7,000 steps a day will drastically, not like a little bit, but I mean, drastically drop your overall mortality, um, weight res or weight training two times a week if you're doing no times a week is huge. So the reason why I, generally try to push people into weightlifting a lot more is because there's nothing that will change your body like resistance training. And especially like when you're new to resistance training, the stimulus is so great that you're going to see insane results very, very fast. And then as you get, you know, further and further in, you're not going to see the results quite as fast. So um, now if you're detrained, what's nice is that you can experience an extreme body recomposition, as I talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast. So like, nobody wants to lose muscle, like, show me somebody out there who says, you know, I, I just have too much muscle, I need to get rid of this stuff. Like, I've been working out consistently for about 10 years. And like, I'm still like begging for scraps here when it comes to gaining muscle. So for anybody out there worried, especially women, because I know women freak out about this kind of shit, you will never get too muscular. It, it will not happen for you. The likelihood that you will get too muscular is about your likelihood of seeing somebody that's about seven feet tall. That's about your likelihood of seeing somebody that has genetics that will develop too much muscle or what anybody would normally define as too much muscle. So that being said, Let's try to get you working out two days a week to start and then maybe doing some form of like low intensity, steady state cardio every day if possible. If not, then maybe four days a week. Um, so like you're going to want to spend maybe like an hour to an hour and a half at the gym if you're just doing two days a week because you want to get some form of like picking something up off the ground, which would be like a deadlift. You would have a good pressing motion, which would be maybe like a bench press or maybe a dumbbell press. You want to have some kind of squat, which is going to be barbell squat, maybe like a leg press or something like that. And then you want to get something that works the biceps, the triceps, the shoulders, the calves, the hamstrings, the glutes. You're going to want to do some kind of full body program two times a week. Now, once again, I kind of have this laid out in the program with sets and reps and stuff like that. And you're going to want to hit every single muscle, like the bigger muscles, which are going to be your chest, your back, your quads, maybe your glutes. Um, but more so like the bigger muscle groups are going to be your chest, your quads, and your back. You're going to hit those maybe with a little bit more volume. And when it comes to stuff like your biceps, triceps, hamstrings, and calves, you could probably do a little less volume with those because they're also going to get stimulated from like some of the other movements that you're doing. Um, you maybe want to hit like, let's say you'll do four sets, four to eight sets of chest per workout per week biceps maybe three to six sets per muscle per week um now if you want to start going up in volume then maybe hey you're doing four workouts a week a week instead then you could change your volumes up you know 
as it kind of goes with that. So um, once again, just like a resistance training program, let's start you off two days a week. And then if you can, three days a week. For most people, I think four days a week is like ideal. And it's kind of like, it gives you a good balance where you're not in the gym all the time. Like I'll do six days a week occasionally, like with a push-pull legs, which is basically you're hitting your entire body twice a week. So like you would do all your pushing muscles one day and then all your legs another day and then all the pulling muscles another day. But like, if you do six days a week, you're in the gym six days a week, which for me, the gym is on the way home from work. So it's not like a big deal, but it's still like 30 to 60 minutes every single day with the exception of one day that I'm at the gym and not doing other things. So like four days a week, I think that's where most people are going to fall and be happy there. And then like, Hey, if you want to maybe do a little bit more running, a little bit more aerobic activity, that's fine too. Um, what I just would try to recommend people do if they are going to include a little bit more intense cardio, try to separate that from your weight training sessions by ideally a day, but in absolute worst case scenario, at least like six to eight hours, because you, you don't want to fatigue yourself for either or for either one of those. So like, if you're going to go work out, then you want to have all your energy ready to go. And you don't want to be fatigued at all because you want to hit your muscles as, you know, as good as possible and get the most amount of bang for your buck. You want to get the biggest stimulus and then get out. You don't want to interfere with that by doing cardio. Now, if you don't have any other choice, okay, but just understand that you may be making a little bit of a compromise. And if like, hey, the only way that you could do cardio and get a little bit more activity in is when you're at the gym, okay, well then just, you know, if that's the price you're willing to pay, that's fine. But like, even like that price is probably not that great. For me, it would be too great. But for other people who are just like, hey, I wanna lose a couple pounds, I'm gonna gain a little bit of muscle, then, you're probably okay if you're checking off most of the other boxes that we kind of talked about throughout this show. So um, ideally, 7,000 steps a day, you're getting sufficient protein, you're working out two to four times a week, and then maybe if you really want to get after it, some high-intensity cardio, maybe three times a week, um, low-intensity steady-state steady cardio every single day, and then working out you know, anywhere from three to six times a week. And, rate and, training that is sorry and so like you were like you were saying like trying to not do so much of the the lifting if you're doing heavy cardio uh like for me i try to lift something at least a little bit six days a week i also yeah. try to, especially when it's warm out here i try to run three days a week and it's whenever i run i either do uh 5k with no weights or anything or i do 3k with five pound ankle weights so like i i kind of run a little bit not super intense but i run I like i i run good distance um and even on those like the the days that i run when i get done with the run i'll come back come back and do a little bit of a cool down and and kind of chill out for a bit and then i'll just do something real light like a little bit of like some curls or something just to get a little bit of lifting, like I don't want to, I'm not going to sit down and bench or, or try to try to do any like uh, squats or anything, but I'll just, I'll throw a couple 10 pound weights on a curl bar and, and just curl, do some curls and, and maybe do some like overheads just mm -hmm. to work my arms a little bit, but not like I'm not doing a normal, I'm not doing a normal like set like I would 
on the off days, but I, I still want to lift a little bit. So I, I try to push, but I don't, I don't do anything that's going, that's going to hurt me. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I think that's finding a balance that um, we're not competing for Mr. Universe. We want to be healthy. Right. We don't need, we, uh, uh, oddly enough, I can't remember what there's some sort of a, it's not Mr. Universe, but it's another one of those like, bodybuilding competitions there's a dude from here like from locally the one that this past year which is crazy like with the uh, mr olympia or like the ifbb pro yeah something like that like uh his, uh, his wife works with my wife <laughs> like, oh that's crazy <laughs> yeah but yeah that, that was kind of really crazy i was like man i mm-hmm. i that's way over the top too though like not you know I, I would never recommend anybody to, to get that big. Like, yeah, well, well, to like interject right there, though, um, if you ever ask those people what it's like to get that diced, they will tell you it is a miserable experience. So like I we were shooting the shit earlier about like my height and all that. I'm 5'11". And once again, I can lift some pretty good fucking weight. The lightest I've been in my adult life was 179 pounds and I had visual abs getting to that point is miserable and then when you are that lean you do not feel good and so this kind of goes to um a podcast i'm probably gonna do tomorrow thursday but like everyone's hand waving about like the testosterone right now right because they're saying oh it's microplastics this that well like when it comes to testosterone the reason why everybody has low testosterone it's not the plastics it's not the diet well partially the diet it's because you're fat you are fat. Stop being fat and your testosterone will probably be okay. That's the fucking problem. All those microplastic theories and stuff like that, that's mostly in like mice and rodents. And th- th- that probably plays a part. But the largest part is you are fat. You are unhealthy. Get your behaviors in check. Lose some weight and you'll probably be okay. Now, if you get bodybuilder lean, your testosterone crashes as well because your body interprets that as I'm too lean. I can't afford the extra energy to have kids. So therefore testosterone goes right into the shitter. But if you get to like a decent body composition, which for guys, that's probably gonna be anywhere from like 12 to 18%, 18% being a little bit on the heavier side, you're going to be fine. And like 12% for most guys, you'll have, some kind of ab outline that you could visually see you're not gonna have a full-on six-pack but you'll look good when you take your shirt off even at 18 percent, you'll probably look better than most people you see walking around the local spirit airport so and for women you could add about seven percent to that so for women that'd be like 19 to maybe like 28 percent for women because women just naturally carry more body fat and for women when they get too lean they stop having their period because same deal your body says, hey, I can't have a fucking kid right now. I have no extra energy. Shut this shit down. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <clears throat> I think that's the most important takeaway from all of this is figure out where you want to be, figure out what works for you to get there, and then just go fucking do it. Like <laughs> yeah. that that's the the biggest thing. Like I I've talked about my son numerous times and it's the fact that he's doing it right now is a huge step because we've talked about it and we've talked about it and we've talked about it. 
and now he's doing it. The yeah. you know the guy that I work with that is doing carnivore. His his goal is to complete a marathon in 2024. He's not trying to like finish top of the you know he's not trying to get first or anything. He's not saying that he's going to run the whole thing. He just mm-hmm. wants to complete one to go from 420 pounds to complete a marathon in about a year to year and a half's time frame. Like that's his goal. Figure out what's good for you. Figure out where you want to go. And then once you figure out how to get there, just stick to it and get there. Like there's so much quit in our society that Mm -hmm. it's, it's sad. It's why guys are low T it's because they just, they don't want to suffer. Right. Like, Go out and get it. See what you want and go after it. And there are a ton of resources. People who will cheerlead you every step of the way, who will give you pointers and tips <laughs> and bully you if need be. Like mm-hmm. we are we are your biggest champions. We want to see your progress. We want to see how you're doing. We want to talk to you about it. We want to talk to you about the shit that we do. We like we want to share in this. It's God, why do we have social media if we can't build each other up and help each other get better at this shit? Other than to make fun of the uh, the Latinas for Trump or whatever there. <laughs> yeah, but the mostly peaceful Latinas. But yeah, dude, every single time I see one of my friends sharing their health W's, I always, 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 always try to make sure I go out of my way to blast that out to the world because we need way, 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 way more people being successful and fucking getting after it. So like um, one person that immediately came to mind when you were saying that was Adam Fitzgerald, who I'm sure you know and know well. Um, he's lost like... I. I I, I wish I remembered exactly how much weight, but like last year when he first came on my podcast, he said, Hey, you know, I was having trouble losing weight, but I wanted to get your opinion on some stuff. And he's like, yeah, I had like this goal weight in mind. He's like, I'm going to blast right past that. And I, I, I like, I almost want to cry thinking about it because I'm like, I'm so fucking happy for this dude. Um, probably Keith Knight. You probably know Keith Knight too. Yeah. The, fucking dude looks like a Chad now. Like that there is like the Keith that I remember seeing when I first saw him on podcast before I even like knew who he was personally. I'm like, wow, that's a big boy. And now I'm like, that's not even the same person anymore. He he's a fucking stud of a man now. Like I once again couldn't be happier for him. Reed Coverdale, same deal. Like all these guys have taken control of their health and are way better for it. And like I I just could be happier for people who do that shit. And I mean that's part of the reason why I started my podcast because I want to share the information that I feel like I needed and hopefully that puts people in the right direction and gets them going. And once again, none of the stuff that I say, I want people to take as religion or dogma, like take if like you think my advice sucks, don't fucking take it. Go find somebody else who can help you. I generally think I'm pretty non-dogmatic and I give people good information that's going to help them. But once again, if my information doesn't apply to you, that's okay. I'm not for everybody clearly. But hopefully I gave you some kind of insight that's going to get you at least started or maybe you'll think about something in a different way or you'll just get started to make an improvement on your health sometime soon. Because that's, once again, that's what I'm here for and that's the goal of my podcast and that's what I hope to do for everybody. Most important thing you can do is take the first step and then after that, just keep stepping. And Absolutely. if you can be disciplined in it and just keep making some progress every single day, something good is going to happen out of it. And, you know, like we both said, 
tell us about it. We will cheerlead you on every step of the way. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you. This has been amazing. Give all your plugs and we will call it a show. Absolutely, Justin. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. We'll uh, definitely have to do one again soon, either on my show or yours. Um, you know where I'm at and I know where you're at. Um, but yeah, so uh, in Liberty and Health, two days a week normally. Um, you can find that on all audio catchers, YouTube, Rumble, all that good stuff. Um, I also do the Five Till Midnight podcast with Adam Nutter, the guys from Biting the Bullet, and uh, Sam Urban. We mostly just kind of go in there and talk shit and maybe do like cultural commentary. Uh, and then Cognitive Vigilance is the other podcast I do where we mostly talk dating and relationships. Uh, this week, I think we're having Tiffany Fox on, and we got some real interesting guests throughout the uh, rest of this month as well. Um, and I play in the band A Common Crown. Our new single is coming out in 10 days. And if you're listening to this not live, then that will be January 12th. You can find us at commoncrown.com and also on all audio platforms. And uh, the new single is called Cry. It's super heavy. So if you're into heavy metal and you're looking to start lifting, if you turn this song on, it, I guarantee you'll get an instant 50 pounds on your deadlift, maybe even like 500 pounds, but no promises. <laughs> and also, if you check the show notes, there will be a link to Kyle's episode where he does the uh, beginner to intermediate workout programming. And also there'll be a link to the conversation about rest and, and kind of getting your, uh, getting your schedule in tune that I had done with uh, several guys back a while ago. So be sure to check all the show notes for all of that. Thank you again for being here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of the new format for this year, and I hope it brings a little bit of something to everybody. So I will see you all next Tuesday when I'm joined by Don the Pleb to talk about uh, shit you might not understand how it actually works. I'll see you then. Later. Before you go, make sure you check out our great sponsor, Agorist Acres. Now, agoristacres.com, you can find over 100 varieties of seeds. They've got vegetables, flowers, all kinds of stuff. They've got heritage brands, everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging, and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept U.S. dollars and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. Now be sure to head over to agoristacres.com and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time that you need to be starting your own garden, you need to be growing your own food, you need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They have got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product highly recommend so go check them out